If you are looking to elevate your leadership and drive your nonprofit forward, I invite you to subscribe to the Successful Nonprofits newsletter. Every week, I curate exclusive shareworthy content that sparks inspiration, innovation, and conversation. From the latest trends to timeless advice, the weekly email newsletter is your all-access pass to a treasure trove of resources. But receiving the newsletter is not just about staying informed. It's also about getting our best content first. Subscribers get first access to our newest downloadable templates designed to propel your leadership and amplify your impact. And that's not all, my friend. We are constantly working on new ways to support you and your mission. So as a subscriber, you'll get updates on our latest projects, opportunities to participate in surveys, and a say in the topics that we tackle next. You will essentially get me as a consultant, coach, and confidant in your inbox, ready to help you navigate the challenges of nonprofit leadership. So if you're an executive director, board chair, or a nonprofit leader who believes in making a difference, join me as a newsletter subscriber. Visit SuccessfulNonprofits.com forward slash newsletter to sign up today. And now, friend, let me take you to the episode you've downloaded. Welcome to the Successful Nonprofits Bonus Break. I'm your host, Dolph Goldenberg. The Bonus Break is a short episode you can listen to while taking a coffee break and get the added bonus of making you and your nonprofit more successful. Produced as a companion to our longer Successful Nonprofits podcast, the bonus break covers all of the topics you care most about, professional development, fundraising, governance, board relations, marketing, tech, and more. We are well underway on this bonus break series about succession planning. Since this episode is about the often discussed hot topic of executive director contracts, I realize that some folks have clicked download without having already listened to the first two episodes. So if this is your first download in the transition planning series, I am glad you are joining us and hope this episode inspires you to download and listen to the first two episodes. Almost every executive director I know wants an employment contract, but the vast majority of boards are reluctant to give their chief executives a contract. Now, you may ask, Dolph, how do you know this? And the answer is simple. Board Source's 2017 Leading with Intent report indicates that only 31% of executive directors actually have a contract. Let me be clear and upfront about this. I have a strong opinion about chief executive contracts. I believe any organization that cares about stability, and continuity should have an employment contract with their executive director. Now, if you are an ED listening to this, I am preaching to the choir. If you serve on a board that is reluctant to give your executive director a contract, however, then this conversation is for you. Let's explore some of the pros and cons of offering your chief executive an employment contract. At the Successful Nonprofits blog, I've offered another matrix to demonstrate the perceived advantages and disadvantages of a contract. But before I present these in the podcast, let me remind listeners that I am not a lawyer, nor am I an accountant, and I am not providing legal, tax, or accounting advice. 
If your organization is going to consider a contract for your executive director, it should definitely secure legal counsel. You may want to check out episode 40 of the Successful Nonprofits podcast. And as you may recall, that's the episode with Rachel Spears. She's the executive director of Pro Bono Partnership Atlanta and shares ways that your nonprofit can get this legal assistance on a pro bono basis. So with the disclaimer that I'm not an attorney, this is not legal advice, let's jump into the advantages and disadvantages of offering your executive director a contract. Of course, we're going to start with the advantages, and I think there are about five or six key advantages. The first is that it establishes ground rules for your relationship. The contract will outline how often the executive director will be evaluated, the manner in which their compensation will be reviewed, and the general expectations for the relationship. This helps hold the board accountable to its fiduciary responsibility and gives the executive director a gentle way to remind the board if it lags behind on this responsibility. It also enables the board, of course, to hold the executive director accountable to fulfilling everything that's in the contract. The next advantage to a chief executive contract is that it empowers that person to act within their authority. The contract details the general authority of the executive director, which is typically things like delegating all staff decisions to the chief executive, some level of budget control, etc., It will also hopefully clearly indicate who the executive director reports to. Is that the full board, the executive committee, or the board chairs? And you would be surprised how many board members are uncertain of just who their executive director reports to. A contract makes all of that crystal clear. The third advantage is that it ensures there is sufficient notice for a smooth transition. Now, I also think this is the section of the employment agreement that makes boards uncomfortable because the contract outlines the amount of notice the board must give to the chief executive should it wish to terminate the employment relationship. While most contracts include clauses that allow immediate termination for gross negligence or malfeasance, the chief executive typically has to be paid for a certain period of time if terminated for any other reason. Now, in exchange for this, however, boards often get a commitment of an equal amount of notice from the executive director should they want to leave. Boards will often ask me, but Dolph, what stops the executive director from giving us just a month's notice instead of three months' notice as outlined in the potential agreement? And I think several things do. First of all, the chief executive cares about their professional reputation, and they don't want that harmed by not providing sufficient notice. And guess what? Contracts are enforceable in court. No ED, and by the way, when I say ED, I mean executive director, no ED wants a possible legal battle hanging over their heads while they're starting a new job. And finally, keep in mind that the contract may stipulate that the CEO will lose vacation payouts or other incentives if they don't give sufficient notice. Now, another advantage of offering your executive director a contract is that it assures funders of stability. You know, your foundations, your government funders, your major donors all want an executive transition to be smooth. Knowing that a contract exists between the executive director and the board assures them that reasonable steps are being taken to ensure that that transition will be smooth. And by the way, having a transition plan will also help assure your funders of this. Additionally, 
Having a contract with your chief executive also creates a framework for preventing and resolving differences. Since the employment contract outlines general roles and responsibilities, that alone can prevent arguments between the board and the executive director. But on those rare occasions when disagreements do arise, the contract creates a framework for resolving them, and it often uses the board chair or a specific committee. Now, the last reason ties directly into preventing and resolving those differences, and that is that the employment contract essentially creates a guide for the relationship when everyone likes each other. Typically, an organization negotiates a contract before the new executive starts or after a chief executive has been with them for a period of time. At this stage, both parties like each other and are willing to be generous with each other. And this is the perfect time to discuss the tough questions. What will the board executive director relationship look like? How will the board review and compensate the executive director? How will we end this relationship in a way that is fair to everyone? These are much more difficult conversations to have when the relationship is strained and people are angry with each other. So again, the best thing that the executive director contract does for the board is it sets everything up ahead of time when you're all friends and you all like each other. Think of it as a prenup. Now, on the flip side of the coin, the disadvantages to having an executive director contract, I primarily hear three board arguments against offering a contract. Since I've already disclosed a bias toward chief executive agreements, I will share the most common board arguments and offer my counterpoint. So the first argument the boards will make is that a contract may end at-will employment status. Boards fear that a contract will prevent them from terminating an underperforming executive director without costly payouts. Now, I offer three counterpoints to this concern. Number one, This is why both parties should have a lawyer. Lawyers will help you structure an agreement that you and your board are comfortable with. Number two, now the board hired the executive director, right? So do you as a board doubt your choice? And if you do, then why did you offer the person the position to begin with? And finally, at-will employment also means that your executive director can email a resignation without any notice and never show up at the office again. Is that really the relationship you want with your chief executive? For them to be able to just email and say, hey, I've decided I don't want to work there anymore. I'm an at-will employee. Good luck, folks. Another argument that sometimes boards will make with me is that the contract may enable the executive director to get paid for a few months, even if the board has relieved them of all duties. So let me say again, this probably depends how you structure the agreement and you want legal counsel on that. But let me also be clear that an abrupt and publicly hostile transition is much costlier to an organization than a few months' salary. Even if the board has sent the executive director home with pay for their final month or two, they are still available to answer questions, provide information, and even help ensure a smooth transition. And because you are paying them, they are far more likely to be cooperative throughout that transition. And the final reason that sometimes boards will give me is they just don't like contracts. And you know, there's no counterpoint that I can offer to that. Some people don't like contracts. In fact, I once worked with an executive director who didn't want a contract. And she used to say, why would I want to be here if the board does not want me to continue? 
After 20 successful years in this role, however, an abrupt change in board leadership led to her very abrupt termination. This took an extreme emotional toll on her and the organization, and both required several years to recover. So just not liking contracts is probably not a good reason to immediately reject the idea of considering one. As you can see, and as I've said up front, I am not agnostic when it comes to contracts. I believe they are important to a healthy relationship between the executive director and the board. And I also believe they dramatically reduce the likelihood of needing to utilize your abrupt transition strategies that we talked about in the last bonus break. Now just a personal story before we close. Back when I was a permanent executive director, I found my employment contract to be an incredibly helpful tool. In my last chief executive role, I never felt like the job was a great fit. Even though while I was there, we grew the budget by 25% during the Great Recession, and we expanded the organization's footprint from 28 counties to 42 counties, it just never felt like the perfect fit for me. I gently brought my concern up to the board chair on multiple occasions, suggesting that I might not be the right person to lead the organization, and perhaps we should be thinking about a transition. Every time I did, the board chair was very clear that she did not want me to leave. But ultimately, I decided that that was what was in the best interest of the organization, and quite frankly, for myself. So I timed my departure with the end of my contract. Essentially, I was able to say to the organization, I'm just not going to renew my contract when it's up in about 10 months. I left the organization feeling good about the work I had done and knowing that I fulfilled my obligations to the organization. And let me say, they had the benefit of 10 months notice. It was definitely a win-win all around. Now that we've discussed the importance of contracts, and I've got that off my chest because as I said, I have a bias and I'm not agnostic when it comes to chief executive contracts. Our next bonus break in the series will do a deep dive on developing your interim plan. You know, that plan for how you will actually run the organization without a permanent executive director at the helm. This bonus break and the successful nonprofits podcast is produced by the Goldenberg Group as part of our mission to provide board development, strategic planning, and interim leadership to help nonprofits thrive in a competitive environment. Be sure to visit our website at SuccessfulNonprofits.com or find me, Dolph Goldenberg, at GoldenbergGroup.com on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. And if you think your organization is ready to create a transition plan, reach out to me. I am currently booking new engagements about four or five months in advance, and the best way to get on my engagement calendar is to reach out now. Thanks for joining us for this bonus break. I hope you gain some insight to help your nonprofit thrive in a competitive environment. I am not an accountant or attorney, and neither I nor the Goldberg Group provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. This material has been provided for informational purposes only, is not intended to provide, and should not be relied on for tax, legal, or accounting advice. Always consult a qualified, licensed professional about such matters.